Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Outside, waiting in a getaway car and communicating with the men on walkie-talkie, 18-year-old Abby. Once we walked into the bank, then it was on. I was running on so much adrenaline and so amped, I wasn't even really feeling anything. Two individuals walked into the bank and they ordered the tellers and everyone into the vault. He was the muscle with the gun and I was the money guy. Both men are big, over 6'3". Their sheer size and the gun enough to terrify customers. But it's a novice bank robber who's quaking in his boots. I was actually shaking so bad that the employees grabbed the bag and started throwing money in for me. In Hayden's hands, more money than he'd ever dreamed of. How much does $50,000 weigh? I'd say about 15 pounds. With her garbage bag full of cash, they sprint out of the bank to the getaway car, which has been outfitted with stolen plates. The wheelman, a frightened teenager. So I was scared. <laughs> it's just something you just like want, want to be over with. A teen girl? as part of a vicious bank robbery gang? How the hate did that happen? I guess you'd be pretty surprised like I am when I finally learned that it's all in the family. That's right. The children recruited by the father to become armed bank robbers. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. You know, I'm constantly thinking, oh, what do I need to to do to help the twins? Should I get them a math tutor? Um, Have they been outside enough today? You know what? They have not had five servings of veggies, and I know it. What can I possibly do? How can I disguise fruit and vegetables in their drinks? I mean, it goes on. It's constantly twisting and turning in my brain. It hadn't occurred to me to Ashley Wilcott judge, lawyer, anchor, you can find her at ashleywilcott.com, that maybe I could get John, David, and Lucy to join my Robin crew. Nancy, it's not funny, but I'm just sitting here smiling because here's the truth of the matter, and it's really sad. Desperate measures, right? Desperate measures is what this father took to ever think about involving his children and who cares their ages they were above the age of 18 or 18 and older who cares it doesn't matter you don't involve your children in criminal activity but clearly a very desperate man well you know what to dr ryan fuller joining us clinical psychologist and the executive director at new york behavioral health dr fuller i remember long long days in the courtroom You know, you'd be there for 8 a.m., bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, 
with, uh, you know, those white plastic boxes that mail carriers use to deliver mail throughout offices. Okay, everybody knows what they are. No, I did not steal them, okay, because I would never steal. But I did use some that were lying around vacant in the hallways. Okay, my point is they're the perfect size to put trial folders, those manila folders. And for any given calendar call, there'd be 150 or more individual cases. So I'd be dragging those around the courthouse all day long, getting ready for arraignment calendars or trials, blah, blah. After I would typically hook up with uh, my best friend girl and we'd get dinner and then I could go home and work some more. I remember it was one of those nights. It was dark by the time I got off of work and I went to uh, a local restaurant. I think it was a Houston's and out in the parking lot, a lady came up to me holding a baby and said she needed bus fare to get to somewhere. She had the baby. It was not a baby doll. It was real. I looked at it. Of course, I had nothing. I was a state prosecutor working two night jobs. I think I had like $3 seriously with me. And I gave her everything I had. And I I just felt so bad that I didn't have more than that for her. Okay, out of the blue, the next night, my now husband said, hey, let's go to Houston's and get a chicken salad. I'm like, great. So I went over there. Guess who came up to me in the parking lot? The same woman. This time with a man. A grown man, a woman, and a baby. And I don't know what I was thinking because I tell my children, if somebody approaches you or even looks you in the eyes in a parking lot, walk away quickly. (laughs) Honey, I let loose on them like nobody's business about using a child out in a parking lot at that time of night. I don't know what I thought, like what I had on a bulletproof vest. I gave, I took them to hell and back about using that baby and uh, the baby should be at home, and whatever. And I immediately called 911 and had them report. I don't know if they actually got them or not to get the baby out of that situation. My point is, children are used. Children are used for the parents' goals. And this is a perfect example of that. Putting your teen children in an armed bank robbery situation, the victims at the bank and the guards at the bank, they have no idea these are children. Yeah, I think there's no question from the news reports. Um, as Ashley Wilcott just said, I, I agree. Desperation is even an understatement. Um, you know, it sounds as though this father was experiencing financial problems and grief and worry, and the, the judgment that was implemented was just unbelievable. Um, there had to be rationalizations where he's thinking no one's getting harmed because we're not using real guns, my kids are going to be safe, we can't possibly get caught, and clearly anyone can recognize that's just not the case. The tellers alone uh, were obviously put at great risk and harm probably because of the trauma. They don't know the guns weren't, that were being used weren't real, so it would make sense that some of them could have you know, horrible emotional and psychological reactions after that. Police officers responding to the scene are speeding Um, to get there as quickly as they can and putting themselves and anyone else on the road at risk. Um, The kids, you know, his children, even though they're adults, I mean, what what would happen to their their sense of their own values and morality? And from some of the news reports, clearly there's a lot of uh, guilt and shame and embarrassment afterwards. And so I just think, uh, 
you know, it's it's clear when things become that extreme, judgment uh, went out the window and put everyone at risk, even even when someone thinks there isn't a chance of people getting hurt. I mean, clearly everyone involved and even customers in the bank were put at risk. Anyone could have started a gunfight at any point. You're so right, because Vincent Hill, cop turned PI, author of Playbook to a Murder on Amazon. Vincent Hill, when Dr. Ryan Fuller says they weren't using real guns, he's right. The teens may not have been using real guns, but I can guarantee you this, Vincent Hill, the security guards had real guns. If the cops get there in time, they have real guns. What about that? That's right, Nancy. And I can't tell you how many police shootings have occurred by people who had fake guns. Think about Tamir Rice and all these other countless police shootings. And I was in a situation where I almost shot a teen who had a fake gun. So the fact that it was fake, security doesn't know it. Police definitely don't know it. All they know is they're responding to an armed robbery because even though it's a plastic gun or a fake gun, the intent of the robbery makes it an armed robbery. So police would react with what they think is deadly force. And frankly, Ashley Wolcott, the law specifically states regarding armed robbery, it is in black and white, the statutory code, is that an armed robbery is when you use a weapon or a facsimile thereof. That's what the word facts means facsimile. It is a representation of the original document. That's what the law means. You can have a toy gun or something that looks like a gun. It's still treated as an armed robbery. The effect on the victims is the same, Ashley. That's what I was going to say. It's because of the effect on the victim and their perception. So someone's not going to necessarily know, oh, it's a fake gun. Oh, it's a real gun. And so the law has to reflect that in order to protect the people that are being robbed, and also to make it clear, it doesn't matter if you're pretending a gun or not, the intent is you're using a deadly weapon to actually steal. Take a listen to our friends at 2020. He really wanted my help. In his mind, two people could be much more successful at it. But maybe a third would be even better. And there was just one cat left to choose. Scott told Hayden to talk to his sister into joining their gang. She was a high school senior, just three months shy of graduating. My dad sent my brother to ask me. Your dad sent your brother to ask you? Yeah. To rob banks with them? Yeah. And then the next day, my dad just basically laid it all out. You know, I'll buy you a new car and I'll get you an apartment. Could you have asked, well, why don't you just give me the money? Why do I have to be a bank robber with you? No, I never asked. I mean, there's just, in some way, I was led on, like, this is how I protect them, and these are the only people I have. Now, son and daughter say this is when they crossed over to the criminal side. A plan was in motion. The mark, the Comerica Bank, just down the block. The morning of the first bank, I asked my dad, you know, are you the devil here to tempt me? And his answer is what really scared me. He said, yeah, probably. I'm asking you to rob a bank. So he knew full well the world he was bringing you into. The biggest point he made to me was the plan for all the details. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. 
And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. In Hayden's hands, more money than he'd ever dreamed of. How much does $50,000 weigh? I'd say about 15 pounds. With her garbage bag full of cash, they sprint out of the bank to the getaway car, which has been outfitted with stolen plates. The wheelman, a frightened teenager. I was scared. <laughs> it's just something you just like want, want to be over with. And what was it like driving the getaway car? You know, it's hard because you want to obey traffic laws, but your adrenaline is pumping. It was hard. I had them in my ear. My dad would yell at me to not drive fast, so I didn't. Despite the heckling from her backseat driver dad, the reluctant 18-year-old gets them to their apartment, half mile away, undetected. The heist had gone off without a hitch, just like dad had promised. Was there a woohoo moment? Not till we got home. With her sack full of 50 grand, the spending began. Cars, motorcycles, booze, and drugs. Abby's spending much more sensible. How'd you guys celebrate? I went off on my own and just got my nails done. In fact, the money came so easily and went so fast, within two months they burned through all their loot. Time for another bank job. You're hearing our buddy Matt Gutman over at 2020 at ABC. Okay, Ashley, well, Kyle, let me circle back to you. Wasn't it you that was saying desperate times call for desperate measures is the rest of that quote? Desperate, desperate, desperate. I hardly think that buying new cars and booze for your teen children is desperate. Desperate to me means you can't pay the rent, you're losing your apartment, you've lost your car, and you can't eat. That's what desperate means to me. Your child needs to go to the hospital and you don't have any money. That's desperate. Buying your teen child booze and new cars, that is not desperate, Ashley Wilcott. I mean, you're the judge. You know, I'm just a trial lawyer, but I object. That is not desperate. That is greed. The thought of putting your child, your teen girl, driving a bank heist getaway car, and you, Ashley Wilcott, don't make me play it back, said desperate times. That's not desperate. That's greedy. You're right. It is greed. Not only that, but add list to the list of qualities. Excuse that this me. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Jackie, can you please just get her saying you're right? Because I'm going to play that <laughs> over and over and over. Just whenever I feel like it. 
Okay, go, go. What were you saying? So add to the list of qualities of this quote unquote father. And yes, it's in quotes because it is not, um, he is certainly not acting as a father, but lack of integrity. Because you're right. If they didn't have food, if they were literally unable to get money to put food in their mouths, that is desperation. This is greed. It is teaching the the children, in addition to all the other things already mentioned in terms of not teaching these children right from wrong. And it's also teaching them, oh, it's okay to take what we want when we want certain things in life that are materialistic, like a new car. You know, I've seen, especially when I was a camp counselor, so many spoiled, rotten, greedy brats. And it's very off-putting. But in this case, it sounds more like the dad is the greedy brat. You know, I want to talk to you, Vincent Hill, cop-turned-PI, author of Playbook to a Murder on Amazon. Vincent, how many times have people been killed in car chases? Probably more than they have been shot down in banks. But think about it. The cops are chasing a car. You've got a teen girl driving the car. You've got the dad in the back seat. Talk about a backseat driver heckling the girl as she's trying to get away from an armed robbery with a trash bag full of stolen money and the dad is in the back seat egging her on and attacking her verbally about the way she's driving. He makes the boy go in and steal and the girl drive the getaway and he's in the back seat laying low. How many people die every month every week in getaway cars. Nancy, one of the worst wrecks I ever worked while I was in patrol was a mom and her son who were killed from a car that was fleeing from police. And the sad part about this, Nancy, is typically the person that's fleeing from police aren't the ones that are injured. It's always the innocent family that just happens to be caught in the crossfire, if you will, of this high-speed chase over something so foolish as robbing a bank so you can go buy liquor and and cars and all of this stuff, Nancy. But every day in this country, someone is dying. Can I tell you about that, about liquor? You know, um, the other night I had Lucy. I went to her new Girl Scout troop at our church. It was late at night. I was just sitting there listening. They were talking about drugs and alcohol. Speaking of liquor... I learned the other night, once you get hooked on alcohol, you only have a 12% chance of ever getting off of it. With drugs, it's a lot a lot worse. Like with meth, you've got a 3% chance of beating it. I looked over at Lucy. Ashley, you know Lucy very, very well. I looked over at Lucy, and they had up the meth face, you know, with the face covered in sores where the people think there's bugs on them, and they scratch them off. If you could have seen that child's face, I almost started laughing, but I knew it was too serious to laugh. I think they scared her. So let's just say that I think she'll get through the sixth grade without trying meth. Now, I'm crossing myself right now, but my point is the bank robbery is the worst part. The gun's the worst part. But on top of that, when they get the bank money, he gives them liquor. They're they're teens. This is so screwed up, Ashley. Help me. You know, I wish I could help you, Nancy. I'm going to say this. Being on the bench and seeing offenses all day long when I'm on the bench, 
it, it nothing surprises me anymore. It, this really makes me sick to my stomach because parents are supposed to protect their children, are supposed to instill in their children the things that are right and wrong and how to be kind and how to not break the law. Instead, this person, and again, I'm saying person, not father. This is not a father. This is not a father. This is someone who is not only teaching his children wrong instead of right. He's actually using his children to his advantage by committing crimes that could have resulted in them even being killed. You know, Ashley, how much do I obsess over the twins? Like, how many times have I cornered you in this parking lot or that parking lot when I spot you? And go, do you think band is too much? Because is it going to take too much time away from studying? And what about drama? If they sign up for drama, they got to go to all these practices and blah, 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 blah. I'm worried about them going to a drama class and this guy has his kids and a getaway car. How did it all start? Listen. I lied to him about it. I told him I was going to quit and I didn't. But I did do quite a bit behind their back. And some of it in plain sight. There were arrests, there was brawling, disorderly conduct, and a new, more expensive vice, cocaine, he says. I'd say probably three, four grams a week. And the kids often found themselves assuming the roles of parents. And there was times when on my lunch break at, in, in school that I was going to pay the light bill and I picked up his clothes from the dry cleaners. Scott partied away their savings. They went bankrupt. They lost their home. The lights went out. For a fresh start, and Scott says a new job, Kent traded the Oregon greenery for this scenery. An apartment in the Houston suburb with a whole lot of banks nearby. Money was tight, and I was really depressed. That's when he approached me and said, would you be willing to do something to get some money more illegal than selling drugs? And I said, yes. So you're 18 years old. You need money. Your father says, I have a plan to rob a bank. Shouldn't your first reaction be, are you crazy? Looking back on it, I can't believe that wasn't my first reaction to say, are you, are you insane? Why did you go along with it so easily? I had a real struggle. I knew it was wrong, but I was really motivated by the money. The night before the first bank I was supposed to rob with him, I had kind of a panic attack all night, deciding, do I want to go down this path of evil or is this not for me? There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hey guys, Rob Parker here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like the rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower 
power further than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Time for another bank job. The first community credit union just a few miles from the scene of their first crime. Before the hit, Abby cases the bank. That's her smiling and grabbing brochures from a bank employee. 11 days later, it's the same drill, new disguises. Ditching the painter's overalls for safety vests to blend in with nearby construction. They, they walked into the bank with orange construction vests on. Did you carry a gun in there? Uh, no, we, we used a little a BB gun. But it looked real. Yeah, I remember a, a few people's face still. What was their reaction? Total shock. They're Terror? Yeah, they were scared, terrified, definitely. Their take after two bank robberies, over $100,000. Holy moly. You're hearing our buddy Matt Gutman over at ABC's 2020, over $100,000. After the first bank robbery, then suddenly they needed more money, then more money, then more money. You know, that's something in people's psyche. Dr. Ryan Fuller, clinical psychologist, executive director of New York Behavioral Health, you know, it's like drugs. You get the first hit, and then you want some more. Or money. I'm telling you, the love of money, the root of all evil. You get a paycheck, and then suddenly you want some more. You want more and more and more. It's feeding the beast. Same thing here. What is it about us humans? Why do we always want more and more of everything? One of the things that came to mind is it almost sounded like someone who uh, has a gambling addiction. And the son, Hayden, actually even described it that way, that it almost felt like an addiction. They couldn't get enough. And if you see kind of the, the behavior, you know, they have they have plans about what they're going to do with the money and they're going to, you know, save it and uh, open a coffee shop, I think was one of the plans. But then as soon as as soon as they have all this cash in hand, you know, it ends up being spent on things that are just sort of short term fixes to to emotional problems and to fear and escaping from reality. And then, unfortunately, they're in the same same situation again and put at risk and going back into like the casino same way a gambler does, rationalizing that this will fix it, and uh, the cycle just continues. But can I ask you a question, and you're going to have to dummy down for me, Dr. Fuller. Is there something <laughs> in people's brains? I, I know they've done all the studies on rats where you give them a little cocaine, and then they get addicted, and they perform all sorts of experiments on them. I'm not talking about drugs. I'm talking about experiences like gambling, like taking risks, like sexaholics. That, that yeah. something that's non-substance related, like robbing banks. Is there some type of an addiction to adrenaline? That is there something physical in your body or your brain that makes you want to keep doing it more and more and more? Yeah, there can be. So one of the first studies I worked on when I was very young in graduate school actually was is, was a casino study. Was actually looking at how do people kind of become addicted and get hooked uh, by slot machines. And, uh, you know, these, these casinos, they actually study this so they can come up with the right amount of money payoff and the right ratio. And so when people are involved in gambling or, as you mentioned, you know, uh, sex addiction and things like that, 
there's a, a blast of things like dopamine, all these pleasure centers get lit up. And obviously that feels really good and is very reinforcing. And if you think about the reality of those people's lives uh, out, outside of robbing the bank and the, the big payoff, not a lot of fun. I mean, running from bills and coming back, you know, feeling like you're bankrupt and you're not feeling good about yourself. And then the next thing you know, you're in this exciting uh, experience, you know, where all of a sudden your brain is being flooded with, with excitement and all this stuff. Even, even if there's danger involved, this is a high level of arousal. And that can become quite addictive. Wow. Okay, so dopamine. Joining me right now, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter, where you can find this and all other breaking crime and justice news, Ellen Kaloran. Ellen, I need the nuts and bolts of this case. Right now, I only know about a dad really forcing, through the art of persuasion, his children to perform armed bank robberies. Then he declares bankruptcy multiple times because all that money just isn't enough for him. So let's just start at the beginning. What happened, EK? Well, Nancy, things started off good for Scott Cat. He married his high school sweetheart, Beth. They they lived in Oregon in a beautiful home. They had two children. And then tragically, his wife, Beth, got cancer, and she died very young, just two years later, when Abigail was just a baby. And Scott says he just he just couldn't handle it. He fell apart. He had a good job as a structural engineer, but he was drinking. He was doing drugs. He was partying. He wasn't being the present father. What what wait 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 wait. EK, um slow down. I'm drinking from the fire hydrant here. You're hitting me with too much too fast. Ellen, don't be surprised that sometimes in law school with an especially long sentence in one of these Supreme Court uh, rulings, I'd have to read the sentence like three or four times and break it down into parts and then interpret it and write it in the, in the, the, you know, the side of the page so I could understand it. I got to do that with you. I got to break down what you just said. Now, I get it that he was married to his high school sweetheart, Beth. They have the children. Then suddenly Beth passes away. The children are babies. And you said he fell apart. But did I just hear you say partying? Because in my mind, grieving for your high school sweetheart turned wife turned mom of your children, partying does not really fit into that scenario for me. Now, did you just say that word partying? Yeah, and I guess probably a better word would be bar crawling. Um, he was at oh, celebration. That, uh, number one, technically, part, yeah. technically, that's two words. But bar crawling to <laughs> me is even worse. I mean, where are your children while you're, as you say, bar crawling? Where are the babies? Where were they? Well, once once they were older, they were they were really on their own. Um, they weren't. They were having to take when they were teenagers. They were having to pay bills for the home. Okay, wait they a minute. Hold on. You're going so fast. I asked you where were the babies, and suddenly they're teenagers in your mind. Ek paying bills. Basically, Ashley Wilcott, they were raised like bears. In a cave, the father just goes off bar crawling and leaves the children at home. As I used to say to David, those babies ain't going to change their diapers themselves. Get in there. So, I mean, who's taking care of these children? The mom passes away tragically. She seemed to be the glue that holds the family together. And the dad's out at the bar. Hello? Yeah, he's not raising them. I would suggest that it's not even raising them like bears. He's not raising his children. He is focused on himself, egocentric, doing whatever he wants. He is not raising his children. He's leaving them to raise themselves. Okay, EK, not that you have misreported anything. It's me, 
It's not you. I feel like we're breaking up. It's me, not you. Explain to me again. So let's just pick off before the teens are paying bills. I want to get back to the babies at home alone while dad's at the bar park. The mom passes away. He goes spiraling down. And seriously, I'm kind of like pulling your leg a little bit, EK, because grief takes all sorts of forms. You can become an alcoholic. You can become depressed and commit suicide. You can go in a sex spiral. You can do all sorts of things you wouldn't normally do had you not lost the person you love. So I'm actually not judging him for the bar crawling, except for the fact the children are at home alone. So they go into a period of mourning, but what happens then? You know what? I'll advance you up to the teen years. What happened? Well, because of the drinking and the excessive spending, even though Scott has a good job, he just he, he doesn't feel like enough. He's not he's not making ends meet like he wants to. And he his own father worked at a bank. And that's what puts the idea in his mind that maybe he can rob a bank because he remembers as a child, his father coming home from work one day and saying, we were robbed today at the bank. And young Scott says, well, what about the money? And the father says, don't worry, we're insured. So Scott's thinking, even if I take this money from the bank, they're going to get it back. So he's already rationalizing it. I'm not really stealing it at all because they're going to have it replaced. Wow. Okay, so all this really started when the dad was a kid and his dad, who worked at a bank, comes home and says, we were robbed. That's a yes, no. Did I get that right, EK? Right. Okay, so this is what I know also. The children, Hayden and Abby, did manage to attend McMinnville High School. They were both honor students and members of the swimming team, so he was doing something right. Scott Cat was the president of the McMinnville Swim Club Board of Directors. He was very well respected in the community, but then he loses his job again. His house becomes foreclosed. He got connected with a corporate headhunter who specialized in engineering and relocated to Texas. It was then, in an entirely new environment, his children drop out of school. Abby goes to live with her grandmother. Hayden moves to Hawaii to work at a resort. But pretty soon, they all paired back up in Texas. They were then living in a middle-class community outside Katy, Texas, a suburb of Houston. And they appeared to be everyday, harmless, regular people. And Kat was holding down a very well-paying job as an engineer. Trying to figure this whole thing out. Abby worked at a mall. Hayden was trying to get established as a concierge in a hotel. And then suddenly, they end up with guns in their hands. Stories with Nancy Grace. But the loot isn't exactly divided up evenly, according to the kids. What percentage were they willing to give you? 10%. Did you feel like 10% was enough? Oh, yeah, because I never even had that much money. So for your whole life. Right. $10,000. It was enough for me. Enough to buy a very practical used Ford Focus and more of those manicures. I know the part that I played was wrong, but it was my family, and that just, the loyalty was greater at that point. But her father and brother seemed more loyal to the cold, hard cash that was coming in and to blowing it fast. Shopping, cars, partying, really nothing to show for it. 
when the comforts of daily life include Jack Daniels, a new Chevy Tahoe, a Harley, and a swank new Houston apartment, even 100 G's can disappear pretty fast. And for the Cat family, that meant one thing, time to go back to work. Had you planned another heist? Uh, yeah, I think we're going to do probably one or two more. That day? Yeah. Welcome back, everybody. A dad, Scott Cat, brings his own children into violent and armed bank robberies. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thanks for being with us. So, EK, now you're hearing my buddy over at 2020. That was Matt Gutman. And they're now to the point where they're doing multiple bank robberies a day? Yeah, this is at the point where Scott has really, he's had success on his own as a bank robber. He's gotten away with it for years in Oregon. And now he thinks that he's so good at it, he voluntarily decides to quit his job and become a full-time bank robber. But he also decides that in order to make this his full-time profession now, he needs to recruit his two children, one of them who is still in high school. And how did he do it? How did he manage to recruit them and convince them to do this thing? Well, he, he started with his son, Hayden. He went to Hayden and he said, listen, this I have something to tell you. I've been a bank robber for a long time and, I've, and I'm good at it. But now I kind of want to expand. And he convinced Hayden that this was an okay thing to do because he had a track record of getting away with it for so long. So Hayden, wanting to be loyal to his father, believes, hey, he knows what he's doing. Maybe I should just go along with this. And then instead of just talking to his own daughter himself, he sends his son, who's very close with his sister, to convince her. So he's already having the son do the dirty work. I mean, this goes all the way back to around 2000. When Scott Cat, the father, drops the children off at school and then goes to a nearby bank wearing a ball cap, black sweats, a white painter's mask, and sunglasses, he threatens the tellers, he has an unloaded antique pistol, and he walks away with nearly $3,000. Guess that was a lot for that time. But then a few days later, police issue a grainy surveillance photo of Cat from the surveillance footage. Then they say... I got a question that says, my mother says the man in the photo looked like me, and I laughed, Kat said. Oh, it was the grandmother. So when this came across the airwaves, the grandmother, Scott Kat's mother, says, wow, that guy kind of looks like you. And Kat just laughs, and they all go out to dinner. He managed to get away with it. After the first heist, he was addicted Listen to this. It was August 2006 when the masked man robbed the first federal bank on Baker Creek Road. He didn't show a gun. A year later, this photo was snapped of a masked man robbing the Washington Mutual Bank on Highway 99 in McMinnville. Police say it looks like he has a gun and he got away with a few thousand dollars. We don't know if the kids were involved in the local robberies. It was kind of surreal. I didn't want to believe it. Abby's roommate paid her a visit in jail this weekend. If it were anybody else asking her to do that, she would never have done it. I think out of loyalty, she felt like she had to. Detectives believe the trio pulled off seven bank heists in two states while wearing different disguises. Federal court records show that Ronald Scott Catt had declared bankruptcy twice in 2003 and 2005. But those bankruptcies were dismissed. Okay, I got so many questions here to Dr. Ryan Fuller. I need to shrink. Dr. Fuller, two questions. One is about a spendaholic. 
you see on TV the people that lay around on their sofa all day and order from um, like the shopping network, all those shopping networks, and it doesn't even seem real that they're buying stuff. I actually have a friend who shall remain anonymous who has closets full of stuff. She gets these good deals going on eBay of like sheets, sets, and comforters, and knickknacks. It's just stuffed. Every closet is stuffed with stuff that are not, that is not even opened up. And she's so proud. Hey, I got this for whatever, X amount of money. She's so proud. But I'm like, what are you going to do with all this stuff? So is there some kind of an addiction about spending? Because this guy's already declared bankruptcy twice, Dr. Fuller. Yeah, well, spending on those kinds of things, sometimes we call it retail therapy or shopaholic or these sort of process or behavioral addictions. Um, we certainly do see people present that way in our center. Um, and they do they do exhibit many of the behaviors of, of other addicts, people who you know struggle with substances. Um, they may not have physical withdrawals in the, in the same way, but they they do seem to get this you know huge burst of excitement and get lit up when they're actually making purchases, even when money is low. Um, but what you see afterwards, of course, is the is the dip. You know, once again, they're you know sad, disappointed, bored. Want know, more money? Nothing is sort of uh, <laughs> colorful. Yeah, and then they have to go back and do whatever they need to do to to get that hit hit again. You know, what about getting a job? You know, Vincent Hill, cop turned PI, author of Playbook to a Murder on Amazon. Vincent, another thing that is really fascinating me, and I'm not admiring it. It's more like looking at a snake under a glass box, that kind of fascination. This guy, Scott Cat, had an, a complete double life. Everybody was convinced he was this awesome dad. He made a point of cooking dinner for his children every night. And there in McMinnville, he was thought of as a single dad who supported his children, took them on summer trips to amusement parks, president of the swim club. How many criminals actually have, I say, a day job? In other words, a facade they wear to everybody else except when they're committing crimes. Yeah, Nancy, it's more common than, than people think. And there's a, a second element to this double life. We heard talks of cocaine. And in the words of Rick James, cocaine's a hell of a drug. And there are a lot of people that are addicted to drugs that go out and do things to get those drugs that people have no clue is going on in that person's life. And I think Cat is a prime example of that, no doubt about it. And ultimately, of course, it all came crashing down. Police in Texas told us when the father, son, and daughter were arrested, the father admitted to five robberies in Oregon. But that was the extent of the information. Well, today, McMinnville police tell me there is a strong possibility that they are the suspects in their two unsolved bank robberies. This all came to light when sheriff's deputies near Houston, Texas, arrested Ronald Scott Catt and his children, Hayden and Abby, last week. Detectives say the father and son wore construction vests and had guns. Hayden wore a fake mustache, while Abby drove the getaway car. Back in McMinnville, where the family used to live and the kids had been honor students and competitive swimmers at McMinnville High School, police tell me they're looking at whether the father is the man in this photo. So, Ellen Kaloran, they all pled guilty. What was the sentence on Abby? Abby was given a sentence of five years, but she was released about halfway through that sentence on parole. And she's now out and she's trying to put her life back together. What was Hayden's sentence? Ten years. And he is still incarcerated. Mm. And what about the dad, Scott Cat? 24 years. And he was age 51 when he was sentenced. <laughs>
very likely they will never be a family together around the dinner table again. Coincidentally, where the whole thing started at breakfast, Scott Cat tells his family he has a second job as a bank robber. And the children say when they looked at his face, they knew he was not kidding. A life of crime and the payoff at the end. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 